Hey, I'm Bert, and welcome to Season 2 of Dabbing with Washington Artists. If you're new to the show, the idea is simple. Six questions, six dabs. So pull up a chair, light your torches, as we interview the artists that make Washington, Washington. My name is Bradley Petrovich, or Evil Ted. Call me what you want. This is number seven, Dabbing with Washington Artists. Hmm. For today's series of dabs, we will begin our smoke session with a peyote cookies, a Sunday driver, and a blue icy, and we will round out the session with a tropical skittles, a pineapple express, and a hazeberry. Hi everyone, welcome to Dabbing with Washington Artists. Today we are joined by Bradley Petrovich, and I uh, drove all the way up from Tacoma today to join us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, are you ready to get stoned and have some fun? I think so. It's morning. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Let's get this first one going then. Uh, so today we have uh, some peyote cookies for our first. Peyote cookies is a hard-hitting indica with a unique terpene profile of vanilla and earthy coffee and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker couch lock for hours. We picked up a gram of these sugar diamonds at a shop on 18th Avenue in Renton. So first thing we'd like to ask everyone, uh, what role does cannabis play in your creative process? Well, the obvious answer is before I play music or paint or write or do anything that I do, I usually like smoke pot before, during, after. That's the obvious answer. But the uh, less obvious answer is like, uh, well, I started smoking pot when it was illegal. So it's right. like, you know, like there was like a... You get the pot the pot dealer has, and it doesn't have a name, and you don't know what it is. And it's like, so I like sometimes I'd smoke pot and fall right asleep, mm -hmm. or other times I'd smoke pot and like uh, I'd be filled with energy and want to do stuff. Right. So like when it became legal, I learned that it was uh, it was uh, sativa that I'm, you know, it's giving me the energy. Yeah, yeah. So I can smoke the pot that doesn't knock me out, and um, the. Uh, the business is what had the biggest effect on it because it was illegal. So I was a black marketeer, you might say. <laughs> Drug dealer? One might say. <laughs> well, I was like a mule for a while. We made a lot of money when Canada went legal and we were still illegal. Oh, yeah. So it was like we were taking hundreds of pounds of pot from Canada to Los Angeles <laughs> in our fucking band gear and stuff like that. And we kind of got rich. That's, you're from Tacoma, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, we started Hell's Kitchen down there. With, oh fuck yeah! With the cash, I miss Hell's Kitchen. Oh, not, not me. I, I, I miss having somewhere to go in Tacoma, and that was the Plaid Pig. Are they? Uh, I it's on South Tacoma Way. You should go there. Oh, I'll check it out. It's there's that's where most of the good shows are down there. Fuck yeah! Now, and uh, so like uh, the effect that the marijuana industry had on me was it gave me a bunch of money, and I learned a bunch of things from some of my partners, which is like you can. You can buy your way into the music industry. Oh, sure. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I didn't know that. You know, you got to try to play shows and sell T-shirts and get fans and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, um, when we had a lot of money, it's like there was this guy who was like an agent who like could 
like we paid him like 450 bucks a month to just be our agent. Mm -hmm. Suddenly we're playing shows like with the Dead Kennedys and the Misfits and stuff like that. Oh, shit. The marijuana industry and being a criminal at the time allowed me to buy my way into the music industry. That's fucking rad. That's wild. And Hell's Kitchen and (laughs) the rest of it, you know, all continued from there. That's fucking insane. Like we we usually get a lot of people talk about like the medical benefits and all this stuff, but the business benefits that's kind of that's cool to hear about. Like well, it's all fucking screwed up now because the cottage industry that I grew up in is gone. Mm-hmm. It's it's gone. Yeah, it's like people like me. I made a lot of money, out of <laughs> and then like you know I did a lot of waiting in front of cars out in front of people's houses. Mm-hmm. You know, and you uh, get stoned by scoring pot for people and taking a pinch or. That's yeah. all stuff people don't even live through anymore. Oh, yeah. You know? All right, man. Uh, so second oh, uh, second dab of the day is uh, some Sunday Driver. Sunday Driver is a perfectly balanced hybrid strain known for its tendencies to leave the smoker calm and relaxed and its amazing terpene profile of sweet and sour fruitiness. We picked up a gram of this saucy wax at a shop in Capitol Hill. From here, we'll start to move up into more sativa-leading territories. And... All right. So uh, how has uh, living in Washington uh, affected your creative process? Well, I'm from Tacoma. We moved up here from Oregon in, like, 1976. Okay. And then, like, uh, I li- I went to Stadium High School in Tacoma, and nice. like, that's where I met all my friends that I've known for, like, decades now. And then every 10 years, there's a new set of kids and get friends with them and the music changes and music changes and so it's like um, Washington has been a really good place to live but I discovered that by traveling because like we were on tour and touring around and playing music and stuff like that the whole rest of the world is out there and it's like way different than it is here and the people are different and uh, I believe it like in California the quality of musicianship it's 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 higher Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, Careful. To... Watch out. Watch out, guys. <laughs> There's more competition. And, I believe and they start younger. And it's like, you know, it's like we're watching a Bradley Noel's kid from Sublime and his band. And they're all like 18, 19 years old and as good as people that I've been playing with for decades. Mm-hmm. And they're just like kids and can't even get in the bar yet. Oh, I believe it. You know, but it's like, and it's not to say that everybody either, because there's great quality musicians up here and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My favorite drummer anywhere is the drummer from Generation Decline. That guy, oh my goodness. I don't know if you've seen that, but he's he's my favorite drummer. I've seen some pretty crazy shit. I don't know if you remember Hunap Koo uh, back in the, not at least 10 years ago now, uh-huh. but they were like spaz metal. Their drummer was just oh, nice. fucking insane. Yeah. That's where it all starts with bands is the drummer, obviously. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But Washington, and then like, well, I don't know. I've been here so long that it's like it's almost like a, a platform. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I feel safe here. You know, it's like I have a lot of friends from every decade, seventies till now. That's fucking awesome. So you know, and then like I met my my guitar player Sean up here. Mm-hmm. So he was from California and he moved up here too. So it's like Washington. Uh, one real effect that it has is it gets cold and dark up here. So it creates a lot of um, time for a creative or an artist or a musician mm-hmm. to be at home in his place. And you have to create, you have to make your own fun up here. 
especially before like the internet and phones and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think that's actually one of the most common uh, commonalities we get with Washington artists here. It's dark and rainy a lot, so... In the wintertime, it's time to go to work. Yeah, it yeah. It really is. It's cold and rainy, and I'm not going out. It ain't yuck. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> you can paint that, too, even. Absolutely. And you can hear it in people's music, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's sort of what, what grunge comes from, the, the drugs and the weather. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Next up... Our number three is some Blue Icy. I love these ones. These actually legitimately taste like what they say they taste like. Blue Icy is a terpene-infused hybrid with a distinct and powerful taste that lingers for minutes and tended to leave the smoker chatty and euphoric. We scored a gram of this sauce at a shop on Evergreen Way in Everett. Oh, that's a good one. But the other ones weren't good? No. Oh. <laughs> no they're good. That they're good. was tasty. I like that. Right? I can smoke that. You said it was sativa too, right? This would be a hybrid. This is closer to what I like. So, <clears throat> so you're a painter, musician, uh, author. Uh do you see these as different? Or do you see these different mediums as uh, separate artistic expressions, or do you have kind of more? Is there more bleed over? I've been doing this for decades, so in the beginning, yes, it's like I would play music, <laughs> and then I would like when I wasn't working, I would paint. You know, that was like in a few different years, like you know, in time periods, in two year periods or something like that. So it's like if I was losing interest in doing one, I could just pick up the other and stuff like that. <laughs> But uh, after a while, um, it, they sort of feed off of each other. It's like, uh, especially with a writing to a guy, it's like having a, a knife, a fork, and a spoon. The meal is all the same. Uh-huh. And what utensil you use to get through there, okay. it's the same sort of thing. Because like now I've been doing it for decades. So the painting and the music, it, it all becomes the same thing, except for who I'm doing it with. Because painting I get to do all by myself. And yeah, that I used to be just you. I don't have to answer to anybody, and anybody that tells me something about my painting, I can just laugh at them and dismiss them if I'd mm-hmm. like to. Because, like, well, I'm the artist. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want, which is the cool part of that. But music is, like, you need people to play music. Yeah. So you learn, you have to learn how to, you have to get in a van with these idiots. <laughs> and, and they're idiots, you know. There's... <laughs> Uh, that, and that's what my book is about, that kind of stuff. And okay. So, so it's like, because I lived a movie for running around with those guys, you know, and seeing the crap I got to see. But um, the way it happened really was uh, I, I was focused on music for a good long while there after painting for like about 15 years and teaching myself how to, how to really paint. Because mm-hmm. like my uncle was up, he was up, he had his master of fine arts and he was a real artist. So he always, that's nice, Bradley, and laugh at me and stuff. You know, but it's like, uh, so something for me to work up to, but it's like, so I was playing music and, um, well, our band was sort of drug fueled madness. It was chaos, <laughs> which is, that's what my muse is, is chaos. Yeah. Basically. So we were running around doing that. And at the same time, I started painting again because I was living out at the river. So when we weren't touring, I was just painting. That's all I did is play music and paint. And, um, I started selling paintings on, on the road when we we're on tour. And, uh, cool. 
It, well, the band didn't like it because I had this stack of paintings in the back of the oh, yeah. band. And they're trying to spill beer everywhere and shit. So it's like, you know, it became an issue, which is how I learned how to do prints. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So I was just taking like this much and it's all prints and replaceable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was learning lessons out there too. But the way it really worked out is because like, well, the drugs and alcohol and girls broke, broke us. <laughs> to where it was like where we we all went our separate ways and became destroyed in our own separate ways mm-hmm. you know and uh that's when i really really started painting because like a friend of mine died and i was stuck alone out by the river by uh my rainier out there uh-huh. in ording and uh all i did was paint and um that's when i started selling paintings and okay. it was mostly because of my musical career because it's like people knew me from playing but um that's the thing I discovered about painting is all about it. It's really more about a connection when you're an artist and you're selling it yeah. because the people that I sell to you want a connection with me mm-hmm. just talking and having fun and getting a painting and that kind of thing. Or if they think of what they want me to paint and I paint it, you know, that kind of thing. And there was an easier connection with the person I am painting than there was as me with a microphone. Okay. Because with a microphone, we were creating drug-fueled chaos. And you can't really talk to that. You can just, like, look at it and stand back. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, and talking about art is different than talking about music, too. It's like, yeah. well, there's a difference between art chicks and rock chicks. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Art chicks have frequent flyer miles, <laughs> stuff like that. And, you know, walk around and say, oh, that, that painting doesn't have any intention. You know, that, that kind of crap, you know. Right, right. You know, rock chicks, they say rock chick stuff. <laughs> so, for our uh, fourth one, how are we doing so far? Are you, uh, I'm starting to feel this shit. I think I have an aura. There you go. <laughs> now, let's see if we can maybe change the color of that aura. Oh, it's pink and orange right now. There we go. Okay, all right. Let's see what we can, uh, let's see what we can do with uh, some tropical Skittles. Sour Pineapple Skittles is an indica-dominant hybrid known for its sweet blend of fruit and citrus flavors and an energizing high that won't leave the smoker jittery. We scored a gram of these diamonds at a shop on 112th Avenue in Everett. Hey, you got a bigger bong, man? This isn't big enough for me. So um, your paintings uh, demonstrate a mastery of multiple dimensional planes. Um, do you have any advice for artists that might struggle breaking out of the canvas like that? What I do, I just know what I do. Okay. What I do is I paint the whole thing black first, so it's darkness. Like, okay, that's how everything started out. So like kind of the opposite of the Bob Ross-like approach? And then I make light. Okay. No matter what I'm doing. So basically a lot of times, because like the first part of it is just black and then I spray paint something on there that makes it look uh, mystical or something, or just the colors. Mm-hmm. So I have like certain color schemes. I worked on color schemes for a while. Yeah. Because uh, like I would like take a painting and switch it with the computer to different colors and see which was best. I was noticing some of that with uh, you'd have some go into black and grayscale, and then yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now see, that was during my experimental part time because like now I kind of know what colors I like to use and. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm not trying to get stuck in a groove, which has happened, I know how to take a image that I've got and put it on there real fast, which is, like I said, start with black and then I paint some spray paint on there and usually I stare something into it. Okay. And um, since I paint acrylic, first I paint a base 
and I start with the colors. I used to paint like white on there, like the image would be all white and then paint the colors on. Okay. But I've been starting to do it. I restart with black. My drawing will be black again, and I'll start with the darkness and paint the lighting again. And every time I do that, it makes it stick out off the canvas just a little bit more. That's really cool. Which is sort of what your question is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. My advice to young artists is figure out over time what it is you want to do and get really good at it and just keep doing it and don't work at a real job. (laughs) Don't work for anybody else but yourself. Work on your fucking career. And all we have is time, time and energy. You can't waste either one of them. So, you know, if you're not, if you're not working, you should be painting or playing music and having that take over your life. You know, that's my answer. Absolutely. That's fucking awesome, man. All right. So for our number five today, we have some Pineapple Express. Pineapple Glue is a well-balanced hybrid known for its strong and distinct pineapple taste and smell, and its cerebral high that leaves the smoker calm and chatty. We scored a gram of this doughy crumble at a dispensary on 64th Avenue in Bothell. So let's get into this one here. 31 Good Reasons for Not Playing Songs <laughs> has a pretty chaotic mashup of punk, metal, comedy influence. Uh, can you tell me a bit about the creation of the of this project? I was driving down the street one day and there was this voice in my head saying, Why is that? It sounded just like that. It was whining like a drill in my fucking head. Like that. I was like, I stopped and I stopped it and I looked at it and I said, What the fuck? Who are you? And so it's like, it was like the moment I took control of my self-talk, pretty much. Uh-huh. But instead of killing that creature that wouldn't shut up, I, uh, cause like, I figured if I tried to kill it, that'd be a waste of time. You know, like in Star Trek where you got evil Kirk and good Kirk splitting <laughs> the skin of the two, but without evil Kirk, you can't be the captain of the ship cause you're a bit, you're a wimp. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, it's like that kind of thing. I decided not to try to kill it and just put it to work. So it's like, uh. I use that first. Like, uh, I, whenever I'm not in a band, I still gotta play music. So I have like my, my acoustic guitar and my wit. Okay. So and that drill in my head is what I use as a release for that kind of stuff. Like people pay for like therapy and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But it's like if I get up on stage and it's like I don't even have to play songs. If, I, if there's just people out there to heckle them, and we can actually engage, it's. Well, it's easier, more fun than playing a song. Sure. Which is where the 31 songs come from, because it's like, I actually do have a bunch of songs that I could play if I wanted to. Yeah. But it's like, well, make me. (laughs) And then see if they can. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, I've been doing that for like, since like 2006. Okay. I got to play like, in front of nobody. All right. And in front of great big shows filled with people, like, you know, like, so I'm like, I don't really like do open mics or anything like that. It's just me and my guitar. It's like, I play with real bands. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like the last one I played was at the Plaid Big with, uh, with Doxy. She's really good. She was an acoustic. And then there's, uh, it was captured by robots. And it's like, uh, it was pretty fun because I watched that guy a long time ago in San Francisco and he's got his robots and they play the music and he's been captured by them. And it's like, 
his well, that band's better than a lot of bands, and it's just the guy. Yeah, that's so awesome. He built the robots and stuff. It's like it was fun because he was heckling me from the crowd too while I was playing. So. <laughs> We had a little shtick going, and it's like, uh, so yeah, I got to play some good shows doing that kind of stuff, and so it keeps me busy when there's no band, because it's like, it takes a lot of energy and work to be in a, in a real band. And uh, so uh, what can you tell us about who Evil Ted is? That That's the guy. That's the drill in my head. Okay. The way I got the name was, um, we were at um, Hell's Kitchen, and somebody left the, uh, in the green room, they left their jacket, and it was like a gas station jacket with a little, Evil, it said Evil Ted on it with two Ds. Okay. They left in the green room after the show. It's like, you know, we just clean up and party after the show because, you know, we run the place. And um, so I took the jacket and started wearing it. <laughs> and uh, I, like, went to the um, 7-Eleven down the street on the stadium way down there or whatever. And uh-huh. 7th and I or whatever. And that dude started calling me Evil Ted. It was like, so it's like uh, when I started playing out, um, I just decided that that was the name I was going to give that fucking screw in my head that I was telling you about. Oh, and it's like, uh, oh, and at the time, too, the people that left the jacket there, they, they were a band. They are called Evil Ted. And it's like, I found them on, like, uh, um, it was 2006 or 5 or something. So it was like MySpace. I found them on MySpace. Oh, wow. And they are like, hey, Evil Ted, that's ours. That's our jacket. I'm like, fuck you. I'm keeping the jacket, jacket and I'm keeping the name. <laughs> If you don't think so, we can play a show together and I'll fight you for it. <laughs> evil Ted versus Evil Ted. Yeah. So, I haven't heard from him since, and I still have the jacket. <laughs> All right. So for our last uh, dab for the day, we have some Hazeberry. Hazeberry is a sativa-dominant strain with a sweet berry and candy terpene profile that lingers for minutes after each dab, and is known for its tendency to leave the smoker hyper-focused and energized. We found a gram of these sugar diamonds at a shop on 56th Avenue in Marysville. All right, so your paintings tend to be very surreal and Dali-esque, um, but you tend to utilize a much more uh, diverse palette, I think, uh, and play with stark contrasts of bright and vibrant colors with dark environments. Um, do you see this as a uh, just as a personal artistic aesthetic, or um, is there kind of a more of a deeper message into the piece? My son's mom said that you could tell how I feel that day by what I painted. Okay. So, uh, that's part of it because I can, if, if I don't want to get stuck painting the same painting over and over again, which will, I've seen other people do mm-hmm. and I've done myself cause there's this one painting that I could just keep painting it on again and again. Cause it's like, you know, it's like a moment burnt on your heart. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like trying to step away from that and like, uh, well, painting out of other people's heads is fun because I don't have to think of something myself. But it's like I said earlier, in, in essence, what I do is I just have a process of uh, getting canvas ready and prepping it and making it black and then spraying some light into it. And then I stare something into it. It's like, y'all just, well, there's a kitty cat. I can paint that. You know, and then you can like figure out uh what style you want to do it in, because no matter what, it's going to come out looking like I painted it, but then you can sort of ape other people's styles. You can tell, like, what 
like Dali's choice of colors and stick figures and stuff like that. And then it's like, well, you know what I really want to do is I'm, I'm working up to it because I haven't painted for like, a, like, like about a month now. And I've been wanting to paint every single day of that. So I got a bunch of prep work done and I'm all ready to, but, uh, well, see, cause like painting politically is, is, uh, important at certain moments and people that have done well painting or were stuck in moments and painted them out and you can still see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, for instance, I want to try to, I want to try to paint something like, uh, Picasso's Guernica. You, you know that painting? Um, Maybe. <laughs> you could look it up. Okay. It's Guernica. It's a famous painting. It's great big. And it's a picture of like, uh, when the war was, when World War II was getting ready to start. And it's like his depiction of, well, that, yeah, yeah, there's art history to it. I'm not just going to tell it's like drunk history. Right. Like, right. Like, like drunk history, the, the art of it, I suppose, but I'm stoned. <laughs> so it makes a little bit of a difference. But yeah, look at the, look at Picasso's Guernica and, that's what I, I want to, I don't want to paint that painting, but I want to take what he did with that painting mm-hmm. with my own shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, before I run, I'm trying to like pause and think about it for a minute for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Is that, can you drop a hint about what maybe the subject is? Well, the, there's, there's so much going on all at once. Like there's the war in Ukraine, you know, and there's, there's, there's red-hatted people around trying to like um, turn America into like, well, it's white racist bullshit, to be honest. And, you know, just to call it what it is. Yeah. And I post that shit. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, you can paint your way through some of that. Like, that's part of what I'm talking about. I want to make some sort of Guernica-esque, like, you know, the kind of painting where you paint and have a heart attack three months later. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's, there should be a story to it. Okay. You know, that's fucking, that's kind of what I'm working towards. I look forward to seeing that. I hope I, I hope I get to see your, uh, the end result of that. Hopefully. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully you had fun. Uh, I, I love it. It's fun. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm stoned. <laughs> Excellent, man. Well, thank you for joining us today and making the trip up. And thank you guys for watching us. Uh, say hi, everybody, and have a great day. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Remember to hit like or follow and uh, share with your friends. Bye. <laughs>